Hey everyone, Chris here, conducting a bit of business before we begin today's episode. Uh, first things first, I want to give you guys a, a fair warning about the quality of today's episode. Uh, <clears throat> Jessica and I record these things over Skype. That hasn't been our intention as uh, when we sat down to, to do these. Unfortunately, our work schedules haven't mingled enough to have us come together and record these in person like we want. Things should be clearing up pretty soon to we get back to a studio setting and give you a far greater quality product, much more akin to episode one. Uh, so I do apologize. Today's episode has a bit of static on uh, Jessica's end. We tried our best to get it as clear as possible. I've tried to clear it up as much as possible as, as myself on uh, editing, but I can only do so much. I'm not a, uh, an editing wizard, if you will. So, with that being said, um, please bear with us through this episode. Um, we wanted to get one out instead of, uh, you know, just leaving you guys hanging. And uh, we will be back on a uh, far more steady schedule in the next coming weeks. So, without further ado, enjoy today's episode. And welcome back to the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. So, while you were gone and while we've been away, obviously something happened, and that was the release of the trailer. And if you're hearing now, you've all seen it by now. But for brevity's sake, we're going to go through it and uh, we're going to kind of, you know, kind of chop it down a little bit, and then. Uh, you know, talk about the the fallout in the last, it's been what, almost two months now since it's debuted, I believe. Yes, but the thing is, people are still talking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we're going to get into, because that, that's it's a very interesting uh, dichotomy compared to this time last year when the Pacific Rim trailer was out. So, uh, what we'll do is we'll go into the trailer right now, so we can give you a little listen, so you got a little something to hear. And then uh, we'll cut back in in a minute, uh, talk about it. Gentlemen, you are being sent in via halo jump. Now, I realize not all of you have had hands-on experience. But frankly, none of us have ever faced a situation quite like this one before. But I would not be asking any one of you to take this leap. I did not have complete faith in your ability to succeed. Your courage will never be more needed than it is today.
I got goosebumps. Get it every time. So, that was the trailer. Uh, most of you have probably watched it a million times by now. More realistically, probably like, uh, about 150. You know, I like a nice round number. Uh, uh, I was saying Elizabeth because I'm looking at the uh, the cast list right now. Um, Jessica. Yes. I have yet to hear your opinion on the trailer. So let's start with you first. I actually really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the quote. I love the narration. I, I personally really liked it. Kind of wish they revealed more of what Godzilla actually looked like, but I understand why they don't. Yeah. And that this trailer focuses very heavily on the humans or mm-hmm. the, you know, the main actors, if you will. Um, it's great to see Malcolm in the Middle's dad and Walter White's in it, mm-hmm. Brian Cranston. Which I think uh, is going to be a huge pull, uh, ironically, I for it. I think so. I think so. Because, you know, Aaron Johnson and, you know, Elizabeth Olsen, it's... Is good too. They they are not ironically they are not known yet, but a year's time from now they yes. will be the talk of the town. They're they will. Be, they <laughs> are those two going to do another movie together as big as probably what this is going to be. Yes, <laughs> yes, but I liked it, and I think my main concern, I mean, obviously, is how he looks, mm-hmm. but what he sounds like. So at the end. I loved the way they did the sound mixing for that because it almost was reminiscent, I mean, not only of what he actually sounds like, but when I was reading about Jurassic Park, the people who did the sound of what the T-Rex sounds like, they mixed like an elephant, like an elephant, a penguin, like they mixed all these different animals together until they got what they felt was the perfect sound. Yeah, they made a, uh, a, a, um, a sound chimera, if you will. To, to put more after, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, and, but um, but the thing is with that last shot, as we all know, that's from the Comic Con teaser trailer. Yes, so it and, is. so that's not you technically not even new footage. The only new footage of uh, of you know the big guy we saw was in that brief glimpse when you're looking through what I believe is Aaron Taylor Johnson's point of view in that Halo jump, and you just see him kind of walking out of the. Uh, the, the, the just the black smoke of what is the ruins in San Fran- of San Francisco, so that I think that gives you a better idea of what he's going to look like because that, obviously that Comic Con uh, design has been uh, tweaked a bit since uh, since it was you know first appeared about two years ago, but now we also know why Legendary was very up in arms about having that teaser trailer yanked off before this trailer. Right, right, and also well toward the end of this trailer you showed more of him yeah through the smoke you got to see the spikes on his back mm-hmm. i would like to call it the stegosaurus side of him mm-hmm. um he was there and you got to kind of see a little bit of it i really liked it because for those who know what the movie is we're very excited mm-hmm. i actually saw that trailer again with some friends of mine and my friend's girlfriend thought the entire time it was because in the beginning i mean Everybody thought it was like, she's like, oh, it's another like World War II trailer mm-hmm. or a trailer about war, you know, bombings, you know, and everything. Or maybe it's a, it's another world war that's in an alternate universe. She doesn't know. And then as you see the building, she's like, that's a little bit too modern. Yeah. And then she starts to recognize all these. She's like, oh, my God, Walter White's in it. Mm-hmm. But then toward the end, when you when you find out, when she figured out who it was, for a person who's not – 
you know, that into that genre, mm-hmm. she was like, you know what, that was actually really, really cool. I mm-hmm. think I would actually see that movie when it comes out. And a lot of my friends felt that the jump in the front with the red flares. The halo jump. Was, yeah, the halo jump was mm-hmm. one of the best directorial points, cinematography, and also was very well choreographed. It is. It was very well done. It is a, it is a, a, a brilliant shot. I mean, the, it, because it, also, it, it has a... Um... I don't want to say hyper-realistic look, but there's almost like a, a painting quality to it, just the way the clouds yes. are rolling over. But it's done so well. And that's that's part of uh, Gareth Edwards' strong points. He's a he's an effects guy. He's that rare effects guy that also is a storyteller and can uh, toggle back and forth. So, I mean, you're... I would expect him to be personally overseeing any, any, you know, he's obviously not doing the effects stuff like he did for Monsters. But I got a feeling that he's making sure that, you know, his artists are adhering to what he's seen in his head. And, uh, you know, that's more of a maybe uh, a realistic quality with a just a dash of uh, like a, like a painting texture, if you will. Yes, it's not too muted, like the way or dark, like the way Three Hundred is shot, mm-hmm. both Rise of the Empire and the original. But it looks almost like a concept art come to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... that was a jump, and it was very. I really loved the way it looked. Oh yeah, it's it's it sold a lot of people. I've heard, I, I've I people who a know my my obscene love for Godzilla. They, they've actually been like, hey, did you see that trailer? I'm like, I mean, have I been living under a rock? Of course I've seen it. It's like, that actually looks really good. It doesn't look like the, the, the last one. I'm like, you mean the Matthew Broderick film? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, that, that was total horseshit compared to what, what, what this was. So anyway, uh, there was a poll that came out. Uh, I f- don't have in front of me who did at the at the time. I think Yahoo News had it up though, of uh, you know the big holiday trailers, you know that came over out over the the Oscar season of you. And what was the one thing everyone was looking forward to the most? And you know, mind you, at the time we had Captain America come out. We had um, oh god, there was uh, there was oh um, X Men uh, Days of Future Past, which was a really good trailer. And of all the stuff. Godzilla was the top of the heap. Like people were talking about it, and in, in a positive way too. It was because here, here was the main issue we all know, that, at least the fan base knows. When Warner Brothers and Legendary took this project on, not only do they have the Japanese films to contend with, which are kind of in people's minds as like, okay, they're in this day and age, they're kitschy, they have their charm. There's an understanding why people love them, but the general populace only knows the TriStar film, their Emic version which uh, does not hold up very well with a lot of people. So, um, obviously, Warner Brothers knew that, so that's why they gave us this, uh, I would say, just a a delightful tease of a trailer that just gets the juices flowing, if you will. And, uh, I mean, just it has people talking. I mean, most people who would have poo-pooed this kind of film right off the bat when they heard, oh, another guy's a movie, they're like, okay, that looks interesting. And I'll I'll give you a story real quick. Um, around Christmas time, I went to go see uh, Saving Mr. Banks over at the ArcLight in Hollywood. And uh, we were coming back, and I had to make a stop inside of a Walgreens right down the street. And I had a Godzilla shirt on. So as I'm checking out, the, the dude at the uh, behind the counter is like, Oh, hey, did you see that uh, there's a new Godzilla movie coming out? And I just kind of point at my shirt, and I'm like, yeah, obviously. He's like, man, that trailer looked, looked fucking awesome. I'm like, yes, it did, didn't it? 
and the large, heavy-set uh, man of color security guard turns to us and he overhears like, "What y'all talking about?" And then the cashier goes to him. He's like, "There's a new Godzilla movie." He's like, "They're like that Matthew Broderick bullshit." And he's like, "No, no, 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 dude, hold on a second. So he stops ringing me up. And then he pulls out his phone, which I'm pretty sure had his boss been around would have been a huge no. But I knew what he was doing. So he pulls up his phone, pulls up YouTube, and then pulls up the trailer and hands the guy the phone. So I'm standing there. I finished my transaction, and we're both waiting to see this guy's reaction. And he's walking, and he's like, oh, okay. Oh, shit. Oh, what the? And then he hands him back the phone. He's like, oh, god damn, man, that looks good. I want to take my girl to see that. And that right there tells me the Warner Brothers and Legendary are on the right track because they can get just an average guy off the street who now not only wants to see this film, you know, he's in the male demographic. That's kind of what statistic-wise where Godzilla falls in, but he's dragging his girlfriend to it. That right there shows you that it's working. I was also going to say that's very true. And maybe for the girl, Mm -hmm. hopefully she'll learn to love the movie and Aaron Johnson (laughs) Mm -hmm. if she's into that and I wanted to know, were there customers behind you at the Walgreens? Thankfully, no, because we had saw like a 10.30 showing of Saving Mr. Banks, and it's like a two-hour, okay. 10-minute movie. So it was like after one by the time we got out. So, uh, so yeah, l- luckily, no. Uh, it was just me, the, register, the, 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 cat, the, the register jockey, and the security guard. Uh, the crazy cracked out lady that came in after I walked out, though, I don't, I don't know her stance on Godzilla or what she thought of the trailer. <laughs> so that is for the ages only to know. But um, it is an interesting guy, dichotomy because this time last year we had Pacific Rim out, and the hardcore contingency was all about that trailer. Like, oh my god, this looks great. While the rest of the general pop was just like, why Why does there have to be two pilots inside the head? That seemed to be a weird contention for a lot of people. They couldn't kind of grasp that in, in, in the teaser trailer. And uh, honestly, there's still people who can't grasp the concept today, even after seeing the film. So while Legendary took a gamble on that, and they kind of maybe had a push, this looks like they might have more of a home run on their hands. And it's, yes, it's also much more straightforward. Mm-hmm. There's less quirks and screws that kind of go with it because it's basically a creature that goes on a rampage. Yeah, it's very easy. While Pacific Rim, you had a couple things. There was, you know, apocalypse, humans instinct to survive. Mm-hmm. You've got the two pilots, and your logical thing. You've got cities built around like cult and religion built around the bones. Like there's so many more aspects to it i mean obviously there will be aspects there there's going to be a story behind all the actors Mm -hmm. that are in the godzilla film you're going to find out what's going on with aaron johnson elizabeth olsen you know brian cranston why is he there Mm -hmm. who's that lady he's talking to but those are not as important they're not as instrumental to the fact that you've just got a very large creature that is stomping around yeah and plus, but all the other things are instrumental in Pacific Rim. Yes, yeah, uh, the, the 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 mech portion, the the monster portion. That's you're it, technically it's it's smashing two genres together. So, I mean that that's a that was a bit of a stretch for any means. I mean there are a lot of people that are like, oh, okay, finally, you know, we live in this age of uh, high tech, you know, effects. Something like this should have been done years ago. Um, and with Godzilla, I think the problem with the um, but the original version, which I think a lot of people will agree with, is that at the time, and I, Hollywood has, has thankfully come out of this uh, this shell of thinking. So, um, you know, Godzilla, 
the approach to it was make it more like Jurassic Park because that's what people know. Dinosaurs. So make Godzilla kind of like a dinosaur out of Jurassic Park. And if you I mean the original teaser was pretty much kind of like a um a giant FU to Lost World, which was out at the time. Because it's the Bigfoot coming down smashing the T Rex. And, you know, that you know, those those teasers were very effective because they never showed anything Godzilla and they did kind of give you an idea that they completely redesigned him and then it turns out for the worse, but uh, it had a lot of people sold. They were just like, oh, a big effects Godzilla film. It's like, you know, because, again, the stigma of having the man in suit to audiences who have seen, you know, uh, at, I think at that point, you know, Will Smith take on uh, fucking, you know, aliens not once but twice within a two-year period. You know, they, you know, the practical effects have kind of grown beyond their, 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 you know, spectrum of believability. So when they see the when when they saw the American one, the the general thing was okay. So it's Jurassic Park, it's not Godzilla. That's kind of how the you know the the thinking with the comic book films were in the early two thousands. If you watch the original X Men, I mean it's pretty much like okay, well Matrix was big with the leather and everything like that. We can't you know translate the the costumes from the comic books because no one's going to buy that. So redesign it, you know, make it more believable. And obviously we had the first two X Men films one better than uh, than the other. And then there was a there was the kind of the um the growing pains felt until uh Nolan came into the game with Batman Begins and then Marvel stepped up and they're just like, Yeah, we're gonna do our own films and this is how they're gonna be done and now that's the standard of having to do it. It's like people the studios realize people want to see something closer to the source material that they that they would know that if you like if you're selling us something we already know, give us enough to where it feels comfortable but we kind of want to see you try to update it in in a way that you know you're going to get us to come back out and spend more money on said property, and that this point that has that is what they have done. And the, yeah, and I understand that because with Godzilla, we already know, and especially with the blessings of Japan, we already know it is quote unquote from the original. Mm-hmm. When people saw Pacrim. Pacrim's trailer, mm-hmm. they were like, well, this is a ripoff yeah. of so-and-so from Japan, mm-hmm. manga, anime. This is not an original idea. This and this, you know, that kaiju actually looks like this kaiju from Ultraman. Like, then they go on and on. Mm-hmm. But with Godzilla, you can't say that. No, they cannot can't. say, like, this is a knockoff of Japan's mm-hmm. Godzilla. It's not, because it is the Godzilla. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing everyone was, was curious about when... Uh, when they finally see the trailer, you see the recognizable silhouette and everything like that. And people know that, okay, we're not getting that the the shitty redesign of the 90s. We're getting a, a grand-scale, updated special effects Godzilla. And I think that's deep down what everyone wants. And then the big surprise was the tone of the trailer, which, unlike uh, Pacific Rim, was, which was much more kind of like lighthearted and fun, this is, they're going the Dark Knight route. This is yes, angsty, yes. gritty, and for this material, that's that's honestly what they should go with. It's what would work. Right, and Legendary has described Pacific Rim as like human hope, mm-hmm. you know, instinct to survival, the fact that humans do not give up easily. It's more about the human willpower. Yeah. While it's, it's you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's the Superman. Mm-hmm. But then Godzilla is about devastation, and what happens when things were to go bad? Yeah, it pretty much they're, they're taking the natural disaster approach, not uh, not like what Pacific Rim did with the, 
you know, the literal on-the-nose disaster approach with, uh, you know, like like the storm warnings and stuff for the kaijus. Literally, they're they're going with what the kind of the Japanese films did for the last, I think, maybe decade or so, where instead of it being something you can control, Godzilla's more like a tornado or hurricane that passes through. You can't really do much but get out of the way and rebuild afterwards. Yes. Yes. So, and uh, so that is that teaser, which on a side note, which we're talking about the cast, uh, you know, everyone up to this point, you know, is a new character, except for when they announced Ken Wanatabi. Now, it's, you know, obviously it's a Godzilla movie, so they have to have someone Japanese somewhere. I was going to say, you, you got to throw in somebody from the motherland. Yes. And uh, who's actually a very good actor. He's part of the, as, as George and I affectionately refer to him, the Nolan players. Because, you know, he, he made it in. Nolan likes him, so he keeps putting him in his films. But it was when uh, he, they revealed who the hell he was that I kind of just had to take a, a double take at, at reading that news. And I just, it took a second for me to process. So they have him playing Dr. Sherazawa from the uh, original film. Now, they're doing an updated one. Obviously, he's not missing the eye. But in the original movie, he was the scientist that created the oxygen destroyer that ended up being the downfall of the original Godzilla. So, um, from what I know, or at least what I've read online, that this is this film is going to be a kind of a take on the original movie, but with um, far different undertones. So it's not it's not a it's not a remake of any obviously it's not a remake because Godzilla's destroying San Francisco. Uh, there's you know there's no um, there's not I don't think there's a huge a nuclear bomb uh, um, allegory in it as as much as they're going they're they're kind of aping off the Fukushima disaster. Yes, would you call this in your in your world? I would like to call it the reimagining, or as we would like to call it, the Incredible Hulk. I would call it. It's it's um. It's not. It's it's the Edward Norton. Is it the reimagining, or is it more of just a completely, not completely different take? Uh, okay. Oh, okay. The analogy you're saying is because you're bit, like, the Angley Hulk would be the first one, and then they were they kind of loosely acknowledged Angley Hulk with the Incredible Hulk. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Somebody, because an. It's not a remake. No, it's not we a remake. It's not a remake. But some people would say the closest term to it is a reimagining. I... And when Edward Norton had to talk during the press release, mm-hmm. like, well, how was Eric Bana involved mm-hmm. in this one? And now it's you and Liv Tyler or Jennifer Connelly. Um, he says, think of this as a reimagining yeah. or what should have been done. Exactly. I would say, yeah, more along the lines. I would, uh, here's where I would put it. This is J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. <laughs> this Okay, now, mind you, I did not care for J.J. Abrams' first Star Trek. Ironically, I actually loved uh, the second one. But with the universe they created with the first one, where they could have their cake and eat it too, where they created the alternate timeline, that way, you know, Shatner and Pine can exist, co- you know, co- coherently, or side-by-side, uh, side, and neither side negates one's, you know, one's work or the other. That's what this is. This is uh, okay. like a, a okay. like a split off. Like if I have the chalk, if you can imagine right now, I'm in Doc Brown's lab. I flip over the chalkboard. <laughs> I draw the line. Here's 1980. Here's 1955 where we were, and then here's where Biff went back. And then I draw the line, and we are now in this alternate timeline. That's where that Godzilla movie is. Except Biff is not in control, and things are much better. 
You, we went ultra film nerd. Yes, we did. <laughs> but any reason to, th- to throw uh, to throw Back to the Future into anything, I'm all about. But yeah, though that 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 right there tells me that they are paying enough of homage to make uh, at least an. Not just Godzilla, but another character from the film, probably one of the most iconic character human characters in the series. Like especially the ones that people would know, but they wouldn't couldn't tell you his name, but they, except for the hardcore fan base. So that is a very interesting approach. And the only thing that needs to tie it in, which the I've been what I've been reading from is the fact that not only is the Fukushima disaster kind of a um like like the kickoff point for, you know, the the story lessons, but uh there might be some genetic engineering stuff going on in it too, which would explain Godzilla's um, adversaries in the film, which we have not seen yet, which are uh, right now aptly titled Mudo. So I don't know if it's because they the site when it launched gave Mudo as like an acronym, and it seems like they're using that term instead of Kaiju to describe, uh, you know, maybe the mutations that you know tend to be larger than life. That's just my kind of understanding of it so far. I, once more comes out, I could probably be completely wrong and, you know, just look like a giant asshole who's spouting off his shit. But that's what I'm getting so far. I thought I thought you were going to go a certain route and go, because his greatest enemy is mankind's hope. <laughs> um, I was going to go, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know, we the, there's there's the insect creatures, which um, some the people who have seen the toys for them, have described it as kind of like a cross between um, uh, Megaguirus from the uh, the Millennium series with the giant dragonfly, mm-hmm. yes, and with legs. So it's almost like an Ultraman monster in many ways. It sounds like it's like a weird hodgepodge. But uh, I guess we won't know until the next trailer comes out. Which uh, there was last week. There was a rumor. It's like, oh, it's gonna it's gonna come out on the 14th. So be be ready. I'm like, that's that's not gonna happen. And lo and behold, for you know. The 14th came, nothing came, and uh, uh, Toy Fair happened. This this actually ended today, and that was you know people were like, oh okay, we're gonna see the toys. People got to see the toys, but there was an embargo, and they said, okay, March, which tells me my original theory of the next trailer will be on 300 seems to be apt, because that's the next legendary film that's coming out. Right, right. No, and I, I was really excited when we were talking about Toy Fair. I was trying to follow as much of the news as I can, but I mm-hmm. had kind of my own things that I needed to do. But I was trying to follow as much as I can. Other than all the other amazing toys that we saw, uh, Godzilla-wise, you and I saw mm-hmm. some that we really liked. Yes. So, um, are you talking about the Nika line? Yes. Okay. So, okay, let's let's get into this. All right. So, at Toy Fair, we 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 know who. Uh, Okay, well, let me rephrase this. If you listen to the last podcast, uh, and I went on that tirade at the end about how Legendary <laughs> dropped the ball with the um, merchandising for Pacific Rim. Oh, that was my favorite. Yeah. When you went on, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, so, yeah, I went on a, a giant nerd tirade that only a man of my girth can go on. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, Legendary really dropped the ball. And the part of the thing was because... You know, the only the, the only people making Pacific Rim merchandise was Nika. They were the only ones yes. that had the license. Yes. It's like this should have been bigger. Like other companies should have had the license. Now, mind you, Nika did a great job. I, in fact, I just picked up the uh, Trespasser figure from uh, the Wave Three. It's a fantastic figure, and it's they've actually enlarged. 
the kaijus in, in the series. So the, they reissued Knife Head in a larger scale with battle damage. So all the Jaegers are actually smaller than the kaijus now. That uh, that you know when you match them up. So um, so besides that, besides the fact, and, and not only that, but when these figures hit, they're in such a limited run that the secondary market goes skyrocketing when they come out. I know when I went to pick up my um, my Trespasser figure, I was like, the guy told me was, I was like one of like 80 people that day asking for these things. And they had shipped the Kaijus and the Jaegers in two separate orders. So the Jaegers haven't hit shelves yet as far as I know. They might mm-hmm. have today. Which means I need to get out Saturday and get my Coyote Tango and my Cherno Alpha before I have to pay like 60 bucks a pop for them. Because that's how much Wave One's going for now. They're going between like 50 to 60 bucks a piece. And it's uh, it's it's kind of ridiculous, but hey, uh, you know, good on people who on the secondary market who manage to snag them up. But that being said, Warner Brothers and Legendary are not going that route with Godzilla. They seem to have a little more faith in Godzilla and have licensed the holy shit out of it. So not only as Nika, who we're going to talk about in one second, has license, so does Jack Specific, uh, Sideshow Collectibles. And Bandai, which is a given, because I think contractually they have to put out anything Godzilla at any moment. So it's like, hey, there's no Godzilla movie. They are, they are, they have first dibs. They are the Halliburton of the of like of like Toho and uh, and Toei. So anything that comes that way, like Power Rangers wise or Godzilla wise, they they you know they're like, we we got this. Don't worry about it. So Nika though pulls an incredible fast one that I didn't see coming. So they have the the movie line coming out, which they showed off to people, but no one was allowed to photograph. So the toys were there, just any reporter got to see them in person, and they're embargoed until March, when I guess we'll start seeing that stuff come out, which means we got to wait for the trailer. But in the meantime, they they announced something else that completely threw off me on guard and was a pleasant surprise. Not only do they have the rights to the new film, they have the rights to the classic films, which means we're going to get not only Godzilla for 2014, we're getting past Japanese Godzillas, and they're going to start off with the 94 uh, Godzilla from Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, which makes sense because that movie turns 20 years old this year, if you can believe that. So you're, uh, so articulation. Yes. So for those who don't know, points of articulation are joints on the toy or figure where it moves, Mm -hmm. much like on a human body. And the higher number of articulation, the more difficult it is to design and make said toy. Mm -hmm. Usually, depending on manufacturer, some of them are more expensive. So I always prefer my toys to have more points of articulation. And what amazed me about the Nika Godzilla was it had 30 points, or will have, hopefully, pendency license approval, 30 points of articulation, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Which, especially considering that up until now, the especially for um, the high-end SH figure arts not, not standing, because I don't consider those um, mass releases, because that, that's for the specialty market. That's for if you got money to burn, you buy those figures. But uh, just in general, like what Bandai's done, they've only ever really given us uh, soft vinyl figures that have maybe like eight points of articulation. They're pretty much, you know, toys. If you're a kid, you just smash them together. So this is pretty much the first time, at least American 
you know, stateside-wise, we're getting a highly detailed and affordable awesome Godzilla figure. Yes, which is almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. So people line up. Yes, buy as many of these as you can because if uh, this one <laughs> sells well and it comes out in July, uh, they have um, the Godzilla from Godzilla 1985 uh, do next, which is actually a very interesting suit to do because he's they kind of like uh, more, I like to call it the kind of bulldog look where he's kind of got more of a flat face. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the elongated snout from like the '90s that everyone kind of knows. So, and it's he's uh he's much he's much less bulky too, but he's got like a big fat tail. So if that that figure done right could be a completely awesome figure, even though it's from probably one of the, even though it was from the first Godzilla movie I've seen, it's come to be one of the lesser Godzilla movies I enjoy, ironically, mostly because it's just kind of like a rehash of the first film. But uh, so there's that. Um, the uh, no other kaiju are known at the moment. I do believe that the uh, the the gentleman handling the Nika Twitter did say though that depending on how the line does, they do have the licenses for uh, some of the other monsters. So if uh, you know, hey, you start picking up a bunch of these, we could get a uh, destroyer, we could get a King Caesar, we could get an Anguillus, we can get you know everything across the board. So come July, buy the crap out of these things. Yes, and it's great because July is also Comic Con month. It is, so it's going to be a madhouse. Oh god, but, I can't wait! And I do know that you and I saw another one for those who care more about size. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of an issue. The Jack specific figure. That one, yes, and and I know that you guys have seen the toys mm-hmm. in Target and Toys for Us. They are the manufacturers that make the unusually large Man of Steel, Christian Bell, Dark Knight, and Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a uh, Red and Ranger. Also Power Ranger. Ranger. Yeah, yes, Power there's Ranger. a Red Ranger. It's it's the one where it's like almost as big as your, like slightly bigger than your child, yeah. but yet you feel it's not tall enough as an adult. Yes, as as my <laughs> as my buddy and co-host George said, he's like these are the toys you get your child that that has um, social developmental problems. And as he put it, it's yes. like these these are for the kids that don't want to go outside and play and thus create the imaginary friend with their doll. Yes, and if you remember from those from the nineties, mm-hmm. the my size Barbie mm-hmm. and my buddy. Oh my god, I love my buddy. My buddy, my buddy, my, my buddy and yes. me. And then there was Kid Skipper, his sister. <laughs> they put those two, so and, and they threw those two commercials together because they were too lazy to market them separately. They're just like, ah, screw it. The kids are watching whatever you know. They're watching, uh, you know, Inhumanoids or My Little Pony at the same time. Who, who gives a crap? Throw them all together. Yes, and so these are for those who feel like those are too plain, mm-hmm. and those two, <laughs> that that those two figures look too much like your friends at school. Yeah. Then Jax is the is the manufacturer for you. Which I'm hoping it, it'll be and very interesting because they're doing the 2014 design. That's the only thing they're making is is just a big ass Godzilla, and the closest we got to that is in the occasional kit that's been released in the past couple of years, or when Treadmasters back in the day, did the uh, the 98 movie, and they came out with that huge American Godzilla figure, which I have, yes. but sadly the tail broke on it, so i got to kind of fix them. I cannot believe you even have that. It was a that... Christmas present, and you know what? Okay. F- okay. Figure-wise, it's actually a really cool figure. 
It is a cool figure, but because of the movie, that atrocity is not allowed to live in my home. Now, here's the thing. For a while, that was. And then, when Godzilla Final Wars came out, it changed everything. Canon-wise, as they call him now, Zilla is a separate creature, so I can accept him in my house. I actually have a scale Tremaster figure of that one <laughs> sitting on top with my Bandai's because he's now part of the roster. So, it does, I have I have grown to accept him. He's still the red-headed stepchild, but now that he's not officially Godzilla, he's a separate monster, I'm completely cool with it. In fact, that has taken away a, a lot of the sting of the of the Broderick film because now I can just look at it, it's like, "Oh, okay, so Rodan got his own film, Mothra got her own film, Zilla got his own film, and then they worked him into the continuity. That is true. That's true. And for those who disagree, feel free to comment on any one of our social networks later mm. at You Can Tell Chris. What <laughs> you can tell feel. me you'll suck it. <laughs> it's like, you. It's like <laughs> dear ass face, how dare you? Or you know what? You may have a surprise, surprising number of supporters. Mm. It's like, dude, I feel you. Mm. Also, I can never admit that I spent all that money in shame, so I must keep it I still in have, my home. I still have all the stuff I took because I was for, uh, a spry 14-year-old Chris Eaton was all about <laughs> that movie when it was coming out, and I took everything. I gobbled up everything that came out that way, whether it was the movie, uh, it was movie-related or all the Godzilla tie-in stuff. Everything that came my way, I took it. So, and I still have all that stuff. It's boxed up. It's not a lot of it's on display, but I still have it. I even have the ice cream container. I ate the Godzilla, oh you know, you know, chocolate <laughs> strawberry swirl I ate out of. I washed it out and I kept it, and it actually holds up pretty well. It never got really dinged up or anything. So yeah, so there's going to be a big 42 inch Godzilla that's going to come out. It's going to retail, I think, only for like 50 bucks, which is astonishingly, which is astonishing considering the size you're going to get this thing for. So, you can have the big, fat, they're calling him the Kankle Godzilla from the toy designs they got released so far. <laughs> because his kind of feet and his, his he's got the sauropod feet where his foot and his ankle kind of like meld together as one thing. But, you can have this big, huge Godzilla sitting in your room or sitting in your living room, staring at you when you walk through the door at night when it's just dead and dead dark and you think someone's in there, but it's just Godzilla waiting to to comfort you with his arms. Yes, now if they can only make, like, a 60-inch plush version I would, for all of us. I would not doubt that's coming. Hey, Ty put out the Beanie Baby ones, which I'm not ashamed to yes. say that I own. I also do. Yes. Uh, they, they, they can do a big plushy Godzilla. In fact, I think... Whoever has the license right now, I forgot. At the t I forgot off the top of my head, but the it has that standard. You know, they, I think they made the chest pieces and made the ornaments, but they came out with a line of plushies as well. They were actually fairly big. There was a uh, GMK uh, uh, Godzilla plushie that came out, and he's like, I think like 18 inches, and he's pretty big. Like you can you can use this thing as like a huggable pillow at night. That's how big he is, and I. I've seen them on on the convention circuits, but just the problem is, it's like they're always one like forty bucks. And deep down, as much as I would love to buy them, there's a part of me that says you you're not going to spend forty dollars on a plush. You can you still have Bandai figures you need to finish up before you get this. And so I always walk away. No, plushies are are part of are one part of my heart and soul. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Worst comes to worst, there is Etsy. Etsy is amazing. Mm -hmm. You can find all kinds of amazing stuff on there. I, I but. 
but I'm talking like a 60-inch, like those gigantic teddy bears at Costco. Yes. I bet see like a 2014 Godzilla in that version in my nearby Costco. Um, oh, I can tell you a story about those bears, too. <gasps> oh, uh, okay, real quick, uh, because um, I work for the company. I work. I don't work in a store. Per, I don't work in a store. I work um, in an offsite kind of place. So all the merchandise that comes into your Costco, I'm the guy that handles it. I'm well, not literally. I'm not opening up and putting my fingers in anything. But when they come in, <laughs> I'm the guy that unloads them, you know, and yeah. then separates them to go to their respective stores. Back in July, we got those bears in, and there was not only the big teddy bear one, we got the big panda bear ones too. Yes. So they came eight in a box. And mind you, these things are the size of a small, obese child of about eight, five years old. And, you know, they're all just crushed in with each other. And the boxes are about four and a half foot tall. And I'm a six-foot person, so I was one of the few people that could actually kind of reach in and grab these things without having to tear the boxes open. And we got 40 pallets of these things that came in. And they had to be unloaded in the, by midday, so... I walk in at 9 a.m. and I have to lunch at 1 o'clock to to unload half these things. So I look like a um, a dude on a construction site hauling bags of sand over my shoulder when I'm yanking out these giant massive bears and throwing them over my shoulder, and then I'm almost like a wrestler power bombing them or like shooting them like a basketball into the boxes to be sorted and put away. Now I do all the merchandise was handled with care. So if anybody you know feels free to complain. They're big, plushy bears. There's nothing to be cut on, and I wore gloves. So don't worry about any of my germs getting on any of your stuff. But I did look like I got tackled by about a, a I don't want to say a, a gang of dogs. I want to say a whole pound of dogs because of all the hair that came off on these things. I looked like I looked like a, an overweight Chewbacca. That's what I looked like at the end of the day. No, dude, I love them. Mm-hmm. I never got one. Mm-hmm. I should have gotten one when I had the chance. But there's a picture my friend took of me hugging one. It's probably bigger to, than you, wasn't it? It was. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that it is three inches shorter than me. However, other people who have seen the pictures, mm-hmm. they feel it is still up to debate. Well, when they that we are either the same height mm-hmm. or just slightly taller. Well, I'll tell you this because they are they come in a sitting position. But when you, yes, come in a sitting position. We tried to, we tried to stand the teddy bear up. Yeah. And that was when, you stand, when he stands up, he comes to my chest, like almost yeah. to my neck. So he's almost four and a half foot tall. Yeah. No, I'm I'm five feet two. Yeah. So, so it's I pretty much as big as you. And I wouldn't doubt it outweighs you by like twenty pounds too, because they're they're not they're light, but they're not that light. They're it's just a mass amount of like of synthetic fiber in these things and. That's because they're 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 hypoallergenic too. So that way, you know, your your kids ain't going nuts around. Their eyes aren't watering when you give them to them for Christmas time. Oh, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. That's really great. And they were at a great. I remember trying to lift one from a box, mm-hmm. and I could feel the childhood fear of falling into the box. Just, but no one sees you. And then you just the hand, like at the end of Terminator Two, going up as you're being swallowed by just a a, a brown mass of plush as it just slowly sinks in. Except if you're not giving the thumbs up, you're screaming for you're screaming for help as you as you open up. It's just like an eye and a nose going in, just like muffling you. See, that would be my dream a year from now if I could be in a box with a four and a half foot tall Godzilla just all around me. 
I wouldn't doubt that someone there. They, they, there's got to be something on the books for that already. So, I'm, I wouldn't doubt that you know um, that that someone's thinking of that, or at least putting it into some sort of uh, some, some sort of motion. If worst comes to worst, you can maybe try to find like someone to make it the skin at ST and then get, take it to a build a bear and just put it under that stuffer thing and just fill yes. the shit out of it. Yes, people do it for uh, My Little Pony. So they have like four feet tall, five feet tall My Little Ponies on on, on Etsy. Oh my god, yeah, but they're they're in the same price though because they're actually original art pieces too. So yeah, and they are quite expensive. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> but it would be worth it for a large Godzilla. Yes. Uh, on that note, Sideshow Collectibles is going to do a line of statues. Uh, no word on if they're doing the classic series or not. There we're at least getting a couple of uh, the new movie, and then Bandai, who I've been at least Bandai America, who I've been very vocal of because of their just laissez da kind of approach to the line. Um, it will be making stuff too. Now, mind you, this is the company that has been releasing. They initially released the Godzilla Island uh, reissues uh, from the early two thousands. To American stores, so at the time they they were putting them out of Toys R Us, KB's, and like like collector stores, so comic book stores and stuff like that. Um, you know, all they were were at the time repaints of uh, the molds from uh, Japan. So, um, for those who don't collect, which I I can't imagine any, anybody that listens to this doesn't collect, the um, Bandai has been like the de facto company that has made you know mainstream Godzilla toys forever, and uh, in the American market they've always gone at a high price because kind of like Beanie Babies after they make so many they stop and you you have to track down what's out there, so pretty much it's all been importers through you know second hand. So every time you went to a Comic Con or you know um, back in the day when you would order through a catalog that someone would send you like Creature Feature Productions or something like that, that, those were the only ways you can get them. And you would pay a premium because somebody had to go to Japan or know someone in Japan, go to the local store, buy these things up, and then bring them back over here. So what would be a $10 figure over there was now a $35 figure over here. Now, uh, Bandai finally said, well, we could do this. But the problem was at the time, there really wasn't anything Godzilla to support. So they're like, okay, well, it's got to be kind of a secondary market thing. And Bandai Japan at the time had reissued a lot of the the characters that hadn't been issued in a while, and they were in a smaller six-inch scale. And Bandai America pretty much was like, okay, we'll take these and put them in a box instead of putting a tag on them. And that has been the way they've been doing it for the last, I want to say, almost like eight years since this line came out. Um, and the, I think the last year and a half, they finally start putting some effort, and I put quotation marks in that in that saying, because they finally. They did uh, an original sculpt of King Caesar, and they did a Godzilla um, 54, which actually was a really... I don't know. I'll take that back. They did a Godzilla 2002, which were actually really well done. I actually bought them to go along with my uh, Japanese ones. In fact, I prefer the American 54 to my Japanese uh, 54 figure. Uh, I'm hopefully... Everyone's keeping up with the lingo. They already know the lingo, what I'm talking about. So... Um, last year they came out with a series of super deformed figures, which are the tiny little guys with the super big heads. Yes, so, or chibis. Chibis, yeah. I think that's that's the new name for them now. They used to be super deformed when I was a young lad. Now they're chibis. So they have the chibi set, which for some 
god-awful reason they broke into three sets. So you can buy the big set for 20 bucks at, at, at Toys R Us, which is like all eight figures. Or you could spend 6 bucks on two figures, or you could spend $3 on one figure. Which I, I just... They're just like, why? Just sell the fucking set. That's all you have to do. I mean, it's not like anybody who's going to come in to buy these are be like, well, I want Godzilla and Mothra, but I'm, fuck Destroyer. I don't want him. It's like, no, they're going to want all of them. In fact, they're going to ask you for more. So I don't understand the, 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 the delving out. That's, that's something that Bandai America has always kind of made me, given me a headache about. And they have jumped on the, um, the art figure bandwagon. So they have those real kind of Gra- graffiti graphic design Godzilla figures. They got a Godzilla and a and a Mecha Godzilla, and I think they got an Angelus coming out, which actually looks pretty cool. But hopefully, with the new movie coming out, they're obviously going to be doing uh, a line out of that. They're going to stop just reissuing the figures that they keep putting out in new boxes and give us maybe something newer to kind of bite into. That's just my hope because they haven't really announced really what they're doing with the line yet. And that has been Chris bitching for the last five minutes. I'll let you talk, uh, Jessica. No, it's okay. I think people, we always like to hear what, you know, other Godzilla lovers want or don't want or wish they had or wish they didn't have. Or the greatest ones is like, I don't understand their math Mm -hmm. when they break up figures to buy and not buy. But I bet you there is somebody out there, and I can't blame them, who's like, no, just want Mothra. For some reason, I was an entomology student, and uh, I just want the other ones. They were like, "No, screw herpetology. I don't. I don't like. I don't <laughs> like lizards." But you know, maybe there is someone out there. But I do agree, most people who are collectors prefer a certain set or individual, but mostly sets. Yeah. Because I myself sometimes I just want one dude out of the three, mm-hmm. but because it's a set. Mm-hmm. I feel the need to just get all of them. Then I trick myself into thinking, hey, if I just get the set, I just sell the one that I don't want, mm-hmm. and then I just never get around to doing that. I actually did that with, um, I bought the uh, Bandai Godzilla Titanosaurus set, and I had bought the original issue of Titanosaurus, and so I'm sitting here with two Titanosauruses that are uh, just one's a different color scheme. And uh, I was like, mm, let me look what this is going for on eBay. And it turns out that Tennisaurs was going for a shit ton of money, either version. So I'm like, okay, since I got an extra one, I will part with this. But I got to keep one somewhere. The only reason I bought it, too, was because I wanted the um, the the mold of the that suit from Godzilla, from Terra Mecha Godzilla, which is the same one from Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, which is like my favorite suit. And the only other way to get that was in that uh, giant box set that they put out, which was like $400, which I did not have at the time. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. And while we were talking, it's like things that come out in the series. Mm -hmm. And we know that other than in Toy Fair, the other big news was Pac-Rim. And so the moment I saw it, I tagged you on my Facebook Mm -hmm. post. And it was Cherno Alpha. Oh, yes. Which has... And I was so, 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 so excited about until I started looking for the kaijus. And then you call it the Chris Eaton rant mm-hmm. or bitching. Then I went into an entire internal rant in which I know – because I have done it out loud verbally mm-hmm. in which all my friends just stopped listening halfway through. <laughs> they just kind of like their, their eyes roll back in the, into their head like a shark. They, they just kind of zone yeah. out. <laughs> they zone out. But no, but before I get to that, Terminal Alpha is out. Mm-hmm. 
And what what can you tell us about the physical nature of it? The physical nature of that Cherno Alpha, much uh, he's part of the line that's out with Trespasser and the reissued knife head right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they haven't I as far as I know, uh Nika has either just shipped him or they haven't shipped him yet. They're doing something weird with this line, the because the last two lines they shipped uh, both Jaegers and the one Kaiju that came in the, in the set all together. So when you got your box of like 10 figures, you got like three of each or something like that. So this time they only sent two Kaijus in a box. Uh, Cause I was asking my dealer, I'm like, Hey, where's the Jaegers? At? He's like, uh, yeah, they didn't send them dude. Like they're not, nobody has them yet. So um, you can, you got the trespasser and you got uh battle damage giant knife head. Now the, um, the finished stuff of, of uh, Cherno and Coyote Tango, which had just recently hit the net, uh, those figures look beautiful. And they're anything like Striker Eureka or uh, Gypsy and uh, and uh, uh, Crimson Typhoon, they're going to be awesome. And I've been, yeah, as much as you've been waiting for Cherno, I've been waiting for Coyote Tango. Because I really like the, the design on it. And plus, that's Idris Elba's mech, so you just know it's full of badassery. It is, it is. But my, for me... It was, where's my only Baba? I don't care if that that cute little lobster clawed bastard comes in plush version, vinyl version, die cast, a hood ornament, or, you know, somebody's, you know, T-shirt that's not from Etsy. Where is this one? Because it's not just a throwaway one. It's the one that we saw. Oh, yeah. Mako go through. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's, you know, Kaiju one, yeah. you know, due to its stage. But it's unique. I, I know why everybody likes Knife Head. I mean, let's be honest. People have this weird obsession with sharks. Mm-hmm. That dude looks like a shark. It looks like a goblin shark, yeah. It does. It looks like a goblin shark. But yet, only Baba, I think either I personally love the way our theropods look. Mm-hmm. So I like crabs. I like lobsters. I like scorpions. And tarantulas. I have friends who can't eat lobster and crab because they're like, it freaking looks like a spider and a scorpion on my plate, just very large. But I think it could be just, not just fan reaction, mm-hmm. but physical nature of what it looks like, mm-hmm. that people just don't like it or they don't have a thirst for it. But I have been waiting for that one. Well, I... Here's the thing, uh, because I because I didn't know if you knew who was coming, what which which kaiju was coming in this line. So I didn't know if you knew that the trespasser was in this this line or not. So I'm taking you didn't. I did not. Okay. I was I I should have kept better with Toy Fair, but this year was just I've had a long start to the new year already. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So the 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 reveals at Toy Fair for Nika on the Pacific Rim lines, they're continuing it. Uh, not only did they uh, issue a larger scale uh, knife head along with Trespasser, yes. they uh, finally announced the 18-inch uh, knife head figure that will go along with your 18-inch Gypsy Danger. Yes. That comes out, I believe, in May, and it's going to be about $90 retail, so expect to pay like maybe 120 125 for it. But it's a... I've, I saw the prototype at Comic-Con last year. It is a huge goddamn figure, and it is... Just gonna be like a big bulk of plastic of awesome to uh, to put against your uh, your, uh, your your gypsy. Now in that same uh, wave, they did announce that the next 18 inch figure will be Cherno, and part of it I think is because the uh, head designer at uh, Nika likes Cherno the most. So they're like, yeah, we're gonna do Cherno next. So 
uh, you have that to look forward to. I think that's either in August or September. Mm-hmm. And they did say that the next wave, uh, Series 4, is only going to be two kaijus. They're not doing any other... Um, yes, but they didn't announce what kaijus. They didn't announce which one yet. Uh, my gut feeling is that they're going to go with... Um, um, uh, um, well, why am I blanking on her name right now? Is uh, It was Leatherback and uh, Raiju, wasn't it? Yes. Raiju, yeah. So I got a feeling that one will be in the line... Now they can either do Slatner, the um, the big the big bad at the end, or more than likely they would do Onibaba because uh, the other two, I think Raiju was the wrong one. No, what was the um, oh, oh Otachi? That's what it was. Otachi was the big one. So Otachi, which was the bat one that Gypsy fights, that more than likely will probably be it. That's this is just me guessing, but part of me thinks that they might go with Onibaba because. It's just, it's visually different from all the other uh, kaijus out there. Because when you put Knife Head and Trespasser next to each other, it's pretty much, it's literally like, okay, they took one body, put a knife on one end, and p- took another body and put a head on it. It goes along with the, with the cloning motif of, 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 the, of the kaijus. And uh, they already put out a leatherback, so that was the the other more unique one. So if they want to go with something outside of, you know, having, you know, the forearms and just the he- weapon head, Onibaba would be the way to go. And plus, that was, as you said, one of the most iconic scenes in the whole film. So why would you not have that figure? Exactly, exactly. Although I would love to say, I would love to see a baby kaiju come out and have, like, we can get a little tiny version mm. of Ron Perlman. Just popping out of the Yes. And then uh, that would be wonderful. And then when you somehow either turn off the light. Well, I don't want to glow in the dark, but you can have it illuminate. Yeah. Well, which I, that would be awesome. You would have a baby kaiju that just squeezes out. I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't uh, put the um, fluorescent painting on the uh, the outlines of the blood. Right. I, you know, I'm going to have to talk to those guys at WonderCon if they're there. I, you know, remind me to hit these guys up because I got a feeling they will be at WonderCon. If not, they definitely will be at Comic-Con. So we can go bug them. Yes, we will go and find them. And if not, there's always employees on the floor mm-hmm. with their name tags. Look at the name tags, and then you will find them. Um, I thought you were actually going to say because the head of the people was a Russian. Then that's why he wanted Chernobyl Alpha. Because I was like, hmm, that would explain a lot. But, you know, if it's his favorite, that also makes sense. Well, you know, hey, everyone has their favorite. I honestly, my favorite was, was uh, Striker, and then after that, just look-wise, was the brief glimpse of uh, Tactic Rona we got to see. So, that's... Yes. Part of me was yes. hoping that they would make that a figure. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, they, hopefully if they do it, they may do it as like a convention exclusive or something, but I want that figure. If they're going to end the Jaegers, get in with that one, because that one's got kind of like a cult following around it, just design-wise. Right, right. And then, you know, a dream of mine would be if they could do all the ones that they originally wanted in the film. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's but they true. Do, along with the uh, the Daikaiju mm-hmm. and the other kaijus that they had planned or at least concept arted out mm-hmm. or at least scripted, but they couldn't do. I mean, my favorite is still Striker Eureka. Mm-hmm. For various reasons, people believe it is Crimson Typhoon. <laughs> but, that's a but little bit racist, actually. Yeah. It is Striker Eureka. I remember, like, I had friends who would watch that movie and be like, Jess, your people, what <laughs> is happening? Like, I was like, no. But, um. You're more about the hunting no, Australians. But, 
Yes. No, I do. I loved it because it was streamlined. It was the fastest. I just loved the way that it looked. But for unique purposes, I like Turner Alpha because I like the bulkiness look of it. Of the big, which, and, which if, you really, yeah. if you really look at yeah. it, it's, it's actually – because the eyes and stuff, the, I believe that the, the, the headlights that are on the side are supposed to be like its eyes. And like the core body is supposed to be its face and it's wearing like a big hat where, where you know. Yes, and it looks like – it looks like the plants that they had in in Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like a walk. Literally, like it's it's a it's a stack for a, a nuclear power plant on legs. Yes, it is. It is. But for Crimson Typhoon, I like the uniqueness of the third arm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know why they didn't do this with any other country. Why does China have the one with triplets? Why did they break the one child rule? I don't know. <laughs> but you know, they they did the triplets, which I thought was unique because I didn't see. I mean, obviously not until trailer and further, mm-hmm. you know, digging Google Journey style that there was a third arm, the cloud formation, yeah. which was really interesting. Well, they broke the third. They they broke the the one child rule because it was three boys, and we all know how they feel about boys. So that was like <laughs> super lucky for for like whatever Chinese family had them. So they were probably showered with wealth before their children were taken away to be turned into pilots. <laughs> That's true. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, that was what I looked forward to for the Toy Fair line, mm-hmm. and there's so many amazing articles on it. I was trying to keep up with them over the weekend, but, you know, there was just a lot of things. We were friends and people were moving, mm-hmm. so obviously we were all moving, yeah. so I was a little bit busy, yeah, but busy I've been tr- I was trying to keep up. Oh, and it was Valentine's Day weekend mm-hmm. for all those who celebrated or cared. So it was it was really busy, but I tried to keep up through feeds and pop-ups and everything. And so Turnal was the first thing I saw among other DC toys, obviously. But when I saw the Turnal, I was like, tag, mm-hmm. Chris Eaton. And my friends are like, don't have time to send me an email, but you have time to uh, tag your friend. And I was like, this takes precedence. It does take precedence because part of it is if you don't get those figures in the next like four weeks, it's going to be a pain in the ass to get them. Yes. So, yes, it's yes. very paid. true. Friday, I will be marching down to my local collector show and I will be picking those bastards up. So I can yeah. probably, because the only one I don't own right now is I refuse to buy the Battle Damage Gypsy because I was taking a moral stance against reissuing me something with a different paint job. <laughs> but I need to um, I need to get a leatherback still, and they've released the at least I found a dealer that was selling it cheaper just to get leatherback and battle damage gypsy. So mm-hmm. because the, my the dealers I'm dealing with they're like they want like sixty bucks for leatherback now. I'm like that is goddamn ridiculous. And I found a dude he's like I'll give you the the two pack for thirty five bucks. I'm like I'll be back next week. So. I might have uh, Battle Damage Gypsy. I can make that purchase because, A, I could say, okay, well, this way I'm not technically forking out too much money for a reissue, and I'm getting what I want out of it with, with, with Leatherback. And if worse came to worse, I can always sell off Battle Damage Gypsy down the line. Right, right. The sucker in me still falls for it, even though I'm just like you. Yeah. I'm like, what? This is the exact same Batman, but now he's Batman Brown, and somehow that's stealth mode. Yeah. Oh. Like, oh. why? Why would that happen? I'll look at two. I'm like, uh, must have. Uh, just a real quick plug. If uh, you go listen to the other podcast I do over on the Realmcast, uh, we just put up an episode where we're talking about uh, Toy Fair, and uh, the manhandling that Mattel is doing with their DC line right now, and uh, what it, it, they're reissuing 
their DC subscription, or actually they're ending their DC subscription line because not enough people subscribe to it. And uh, what, as a, and I'm putting an air quotation, a send-off uh, to the line is they're redoing the old Kenner superpower figures, which are the Super Friends figures, um, which uh, back in the day, Kenner, who was doing the Star Wars figures, put out DC Heroes, and they did a wide swath of them. So what they're what Mattel's doing is they're taking a bunch of figures they got laying around that are really well done figures. They're sculpted by the Four Horsemen. If you don't know who they are, go look them up. They reinvented He-Man. And they're giving them the old Kenner paint jobs and they're throwing them into a crappy carton and putting them out. It's like, here, you can buy these as a thank you for supporting our shitty line over the last, like, four years. So you can hear us rant and rave about the... Uh, the, the trials of and, and tribulations of having to buy reissues. Right. Right now, I, <laughs> I completely know what you mean. And then actually, for those who don't know, Toy Fair was, or currently is, I'm not so sure. I haven't subscribed to things in a while. Everything for me is online. Mm-hmm. Certain magazines I still subscribe. Toy Fair was like the wizard magazine of it toys. Was. Sadly, Toy Fair and, no longer exists. Yeah, Toy Fair no longer exists, if I'm correct. The actual um, Toy Fair yeah. itself still goes on, which were two the completely Toy Fair unrelated itself, things. Yes. So for those who are confused, mm-hmm. not not the same thing, but Toy Fair takes place in New York mm-hmm. every year. Yes, around this and time, had, around like Thanksgiving yes. or Valentine's Day weekend. Yes, and so Toy Fair is usually where it's for those who are less into, you know, comics or you're more into collectibles. Mm-hmm. That would be the fair or the convention, however you want to see. That's the one you want to pay attention to. It's actually a trade show, much like E3. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing actually to buy there. It's a lot of going. It's all looking. It's all yes, looking, it's all and looking. you have to either be press or industry to get in. So yes. sadly, that's, uh, you know, we, we're uh, Jessica and I are in the industry to go. It's just the problem is it's on the other side of the country and thus expensive to go because it's in New York. Yes. <laughs> so. The irony of us living in the greater L.A. area, just it's just even sweeter on top of that because we live in, like, one of the third most expensive places in the world. And uh, we are not living it, you know, lavishly either, so any of you are thinking that, so. No, no, picture, everyone picture a 300-square-foot apartment, mm-hmm. but just stacked with collectibles. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's, that's all right. <laughs> no. no, I was going to say, these are the type of people who are like, I can't afford rent and food, but, but let's have Onibaba. Mm-hmm. For a hundred and eighty dollars, mm-hmm. exactly. That, that's that's the time. And be honest, how many uh, how many places on SD have you looked for a plush Onibaba? Oh my god, a lot, mm. a lot. And you can actually get it commissioned, but you don't. I don't. I don't know when it'll come. Yeah. I don't know if if the person will do it. Therein lies the issue with SD. It's a uh, it's it's a it's a double edged sword, if you will. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it. I think it. I think it depends, but I do. I do find a couple of good things on there. I found a T-shirt that was drawn, and I've shown you because again, you were tagged on it, <laughs> and I was actually given it as a Christmas present from one of my closest friends. But it's a My Little Kaiju, mm-hmm. but it's drawn in the animation style of My Little Pony. Friendship is magic, yes. but it's got like Mothra and Godzilla, and it has everyone on it. And I love it. And I love that shirt a lot. But, you know, Etsy does have its wonderful things. It's just, you know, it's you got you got to scour through it. you got to kind of really look of, through it. It's like uh, panning for gold. You have to do a lot of sifting and sleuthing. Yes, yes. 
So I was kind of like, oh, my goodness. But, um, yeah, and Toy Fair, around this time, everyone, just go online mm-hmm. and, like, look at pictures. And obviously, if there's an embargo, you'll see it eventually because, you know, press doesn't want to get in trouble either. Oh, no, they don't. So, but, so that's something you glue yourself online for. And believe me, uh, we are T-minus, let's see, this is the third week of February. So we are, let's see, uh, I believe 300. Rise of the Empire comes out the 7th. Yeah, it does, because that's the same day Wes Henderson's movie comes out, which asks me which one I'm looking forward to more. And uh, that, I believe, is when we'll see the second trailer, which will probably give us a lot more of the film. It won't be so teasery. It'll actually be a legit trailer, because then it's only three months, two months away from uh, release date at that point. <clears throat> right. And so... I really like how they schedule trailers mm-hmm. with things that are being released. Some of them I feel like are not – they don't give it enough time or they give it too much time, like coming out next year. I'm like, what? It's January. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, 2015. I'm like, please, no. Um, but I really feel like they should do more uh, trailers for things that are being released. And earlier, actually, off the books, Chris and I were talking about – uh, Godzilla mm-hmm. being re-released, yeah. and Chris was the one who had the information. I'm very familiar with the channel that the festival is associated with, which is TCM, mm-hmm. Turner Classic Movies. Mm-hmm. For those who have cable, it is an amazing channel. I actually, we're we're, we're youngins, we're young yes. people, but yet I am obsessed with TV Land. Mm-hmm. TCM because it replaced all these wonderful classic hey, hey, first shows. Off, that I really like. Gilligan's Island is timeless. All right, it is I timeless. mourned deeply at the passing of the professor a couple of weeks ago. I literally laid down a rose and then I I gave myself a reprieve about that tragic three hour tour. But no, with all seriousness, I love Gilligan's Island. I and I've lived on a healthy diet growing up since I didn't have cable of whatever was reran on Fox, which was a lot of Three's Company and a yes. lot of, uh, yes. like, the classic Adam West Batman and uh, a lot of Happy Days. So those are all yes. part of my lexicon of growing up. And But I, Gilligan's Island holds a very special place with me. So I, whenever I'm TV Land, I got a chance to watch TV Land, I'm glued to it and whatever the hell they got going for me. And a lot of it is actually stuff that was new when I was a child, like Roseanne and stuff, which I know, like, the back of my hand. So it is a it is a magnificent channel, and yeah, and Turner Classic Movies pretty much became what AMC was back in the day before they just yes. became like the we're the hip network that shows uh, Demolition Man four hundred times a week. Yes, and the one that put Walking Dead on the map. Yes, it did. So, but TCM, mm-hmm. as Chris was saying, was showing a like retouch footage, like Japanese version, not the American cut of the original Godzilla. Um, They're going to show it in Hollywood in April during a festival. Mm -hmm. However, Chris has also cited that they are going to several other cities in which he looked at what those cities were. Mm -hmm. And I felt that they were cities that were more TCM friendly. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I got, I got the full press release because this literally came out like two hours before we sat down to record. So, uh, Rialto, um, Rialto pictures who has the, they have the rights to the original Godzilla film. They Back uh, in 2004, when the 50th anniversary hit, they actually did this once already. They, they 
they recut a new master of the uh, the of the original non um, Raymond Burr. Uh, hold on, let me let me reward it. It was the original cut of the film, the original ninety-eight minute cut that was all Japanese actors it was subtitled, and um, it was a, a one that had not really ever been seen theatrically stateside in almost literally forty-eight years prior to that. So they went out on tour for the 50th anniversary because, honest, because ironically, for the 50th anniversary, there wasn't much of a hubbub stateside for it as there was um, in Japan. The biggest part of that was the, the the biggest thing stateside we got was the premiere for Final Wars out here, which I was lucky enough to get into. That'll be another podcast for another day. But um, at the around the time though, they ran this this print around. It was it's cool because for many people, this was the first time to ever see that. It hadn't even been released on DVD at that point. So they um, they licensed the DVD to Classic Media, who put out a, a pretty good set. And then <coughs> about a year and a half ago, <coughs> pardon me, Criterion got a hold of it and did their own version. So you if you if you're like me, you own both. But the Criterion Strike is a far better print, and you've seen the original movie. But there is something grand to seeing it on a big screen. So. Um, Rialto's going to go back for the 60th anniversary, which is this year. Uh, they're going to debut it, as, as as Jessica said, at the TMC Classic Film Festival in Hollywood. That's where, if you're um, on the West Coast, that's pretty much where you're the only place at the moment you're going to be able to see it. And then a week later, they're going to take it over to the New York Film Forum for a week run. And then it's going to go on tour from that. So, after New York, it's going to hit Santa Fe, New Mexico uh, from April 25th to May 1st. And then... One of my most favorite cities in the world, Portland, Oregon. We'll get it from uh, the 2nd to the 5th, so it's going to be a weekend run there. And then they're going to do a simultaneous run up in Seattle, May 2nd to May 8th. So that's getting a whole week run. And then uh, a week after that, or two weeks after that, literally, so they're taking a break in between the release of the American film. And then, you know, once the, the, the hype dies down, they're taking it to Houston, Texas. And then it's going to have a day run in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, and then a one-day run in Columbus, Ohio in July, which is actually during Comic-Con. So if you don't get to go to Comic-Con, you live in Columbus, Ohio, go check out Godzilla. You'll, you'll, I guarantee you'll like it, especially if you've never seen the original cut. It's a far different film. Yes, and did any did it say where which theater in Columbus, Ohio? Oh yes, okay. I'm sorry. You know what? I completely skipped the theaters here. Okay, so it's okay. I ask because for those who know, I am a Buckeye, mm-hmm. so Columbus, Ohio holds near and dear to my heart. But I was born in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> the irony of and irony. I do I I do love New York because mm-hmm. you know it's a city that if I can constantly fly to every other weekend, I would. Mm-hmm. But I am curious to know which theater in Columbus, Ohio. In Columbus, it's at the Wexner Center for the Arts. <laughs> okay, it's uh, it's yeah, it's, uh, it's like like a, like, um, a, like, a, like a film junkie kind of place, like a or a um, film society kind of form. It is, okay. it is, and it's also if I am not mistaken, it's on the Ohio State campus. Shocking! There you go. <laughs> um, okay, so for the New York run, it's at the Film Forum. Uh, for Santa Fe, it's at the um, Jean uh, uh, Cocteau Cinema. I, I, I'm probably uh, destroying that name as I normally do. Uh, or Jean Cocteau Cinema. It's uh, 
Yeah, okay, I'm going to leave it at that before I mumble it even more. Uh, Portland, it's going to be at the Hollywood Theater. At uh, Seattle, it's at the SIFF Cinema Uptown. For Houston, it's at the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston. And then in Kentucky, it's at the Kentucky Theater. Literally, that's what it's at. There's a Kentucky Theater in Kentucky. So that's that's currently where you can find the uh, the, the, the picture when it's on its run. You can go to rialtopictures.com backslash Godzilla and it'll give you the, uh, the the deets, as they say, for everything. So, But they have a very good print, and uh, I would definitely recommend if you're in any of those areas to go see it. So it, it, if anything, it'll get, the, it'll get the, the, the taste buds warmed up for the eventual main course that will be the, uh, the legendary film. Um, on that note, I want to bring up this thing real quick, too. I, um, in other news related to that, uh, because the movie's coming out, Obviously, people are going to be jumping in on the merchandising bandwagon. Uh, a bunch of uh, the older films are getting re-released on Blu-ray for the first time. Yay, Blu-ray! Until, like, you know, Ultra HD comes out, or 4D, whatever that thing is called. You know what? I'm sticking with Blu-ray. I don't need Ultra 4 HD. I, I, it's as real as it needs to be for me anymore. My eyes aren't noticing anything different with the super high def. And if you... if any. Someone comes up and says, oh, yeah, I know it's a huge difference. You're a goddamn liar, and you know it, too. You just want to be one of those cool bastards that think that it's like, oh, yeah, much, much more better. My <laughs> eyesight, I see things, you know, how, you know how the brain takes, you know, 0.4 seconds to process everything? Mine only takes, like, 2.4, so, you know, that's how it is. Go to hell. So, <clears throat> uh, Section 23 Films, um, who's a label that, that deals with, uh, you know, a lot of foreign films, they have opened up a new international label called Kraken Releasing, and they have picked up uh, three films that currently that were originally held by um, Sony during their their whole licensing with uh, Godzilla back in the uh, early 2000s. So they will be issuing for the first time on Blu-ray ever, uh, Ibra, Horror of the Deep, otherwise known as Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster over here. <clears throat> uh... No, I, I, I'm looking at the, the details of it. It will include the Japanese uh, track and then uh, the English dub track. So you have at least that coming. Any other additional uh, extras I don't have in front of me at the moment. So I'm just going off what I got. Uh, Godzilla versus Hedera, which is also Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, which uh, I guarantee everyone has seen it that's listened to this, but you haven't. This is not only the weirdest goddamn Godzilla film that is out there. This it's just a weird fucking movie in general. It is truly a product of the seventies, and it is a trip to see. And the beauty about this one, um, I do believe that the original uh, Sony release of the DVD did not have the AIP dub on it, and they had the Toho International dub. And I might be wrong. I haven't pulled out my copy in a while, but I do re- recall that "Save the Earth," the the song that they sing in the beginning of it, was not included on that original DVD. So I'm hoping that this one has that. I don't know yet. It doesn't say which which dub it has. Someone no that that yeah that film <clears throat> that film made me feel very disturbed as a child. It is a weird. I would. It's really a movie not for kids. Even though there's a big there's a like a fat kid that's one of the main characters. It is a weird weird movie. Ironically, it for those not in the know, the director uh, Yoshimitsu Bano, who uh, directed this film, who was never allowed to direct another Godzilla movie after that, he's partially responsible for getting the uh, the legendary film off the ground. 
because uh, after got after Toho kind of closed the door on the um, on the series after Final Wars, uh, Bano has been kind of knee deep in IMAX stuff, and before IMAX uh, really became the the IMAX we know today, it was he was trying to push the uh, the 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 medium into like more mainstream, and he was trying to create um, you know original stuff, and he wanted to do an IMAX Godzilla short film. Now, uh, back in up until like you know, like. Eight years ago, IMAX only held about an hour's worth of, fo- of, of film on their platter. So that's why a lot of those IMAX films you saw were uh, like, you know, nature films or docs that were under an hour, but they were real heavy in the, in the 3D and gimmickry and stuff. So he wanted to do a 45 minute Godzilla film, and it was going to be a sequel to Godzilla vs. Smog Monster. Toho granted him the rights, and the original film kind of fell through. It was going to be called Godzilla 3D to the Max, which sounds like the worst 80s <laughs> title in the world. I, it's it's a very interesting... We'll go into it in another episode. It's definitely going to be one of those... Um, it's going to be for an episode of, of failed pro- uh, projects that never got off the ground, but they were real weird and could be you know resurrected at any point and still be interesting. But because he held the rights, I believe that he... I don't know who took to what, but he and his producer uh, managed to hook up with Legendary, and that's how part of the reason Legendary acquired the rights. And I do believe that they're listed as executive producers on the new film. They might have gotten their name taken off, but I don't think so. As far as all the press material I've seen, they're still on there. And it's all because of that I, that failed IMAX film. And going back to him directing Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, which is just a fucking weird movie in general. If you uh, partake in any any um, mind-altering activities, that is definitely something to do. Is and do that and sit down and watch this film. It is a just a weird fucking trip. And then finally, Godzilla vs. Guy again is coming on to Blu-ray, which, I, as far as I know, has never been on Blu-ray either. None of these have been Blu-ray, but this is another. This this, this is a real weird film too. God, uh, the '70s were an odd time for Godzilla. Uh, before the Mecha Godzilla movies. The, the couple of films after Destroy All Monsters are just a weird hodgepodge of some stuff. It's like no one knew what the hell they were doing back then. And they were kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what stuck. And it created this weird goulage. And ironically, this is, these are the Godzilla films that people know the most because they were on TV the most during like the 70s and 80s. So this is part. these films are part of the reason why Godzilla has the reputation that he has today. It's because of these weird fucking films. So, uh, Gigan is up there because it deals with cockroach aliens, it has a Godzilla tower, and Godzilla and Gilas talk to each other in this weird kind of language that sounds like a record spun backwards so you can hear the voice of Satan talk to you. <laughs> uh, again, it will be, when we delve into these films individually, this is going to be a fun one to delve into, but uh, this also has the English and Japanese uh, language, which I do believe that the original Sony release had on it as well. So, there you go. Uh, some new uh, Blu-rays. And on that same note, Universal is haphazardly throwing out King Kong vs. Godzilla and King Kong Escapes, the two Toho Kong films that they did on Blu-ray. Uh, they're pretty much the ports of the original DVDs they put out back in 05 for the King Kong release. So eh, you could double dip if you want, but you're pretty much getting the same thing. And I got a feeling that the Blu-rays probably won't be any better than your your stand, your current standard DVDs. So buy at caution, if you will. I think some people who really, really like Blu-rays will still get it anyways. Yeah. Well, they're fairly Because, you know, you 
Yeah, you you see you see their shelf. Mm-hmm. We are the type of people who will have all of our Blu-rays on top, mm-hmm. all our regular DVDs on the bottom, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have that one friend that somehow goes through your stuff and go, "Oh, I I didn't know you have Wally twice," yeah. and then you're like, "Oh no, but Wally's in Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and there's regular Wally." Yeah. Even though, if you really watch some of them, I, I don't know about Wally, but for some of them, it's it's like you said the same. It just all depends on the quality, and how it was, you know, remastered yeah. and everything. A lot of a lot of older films, I don't bother to revisit on Blu-ray unless they offer me something really primo with the uh, special features, or I know for a fact they went through and cleaned up, and their the the previous the previous edition available had like a, a poor transfer. Um, the very few. Blu-ray double dips I own are the Jurassic Park trilogy, uh, Back to the Future, and I got a couple of uh, Asian, like Good, the Bad, the Weird. I own them both Blu-ray and Standard because I bought it import originally, and the Blu-ray offered me a, like a, a cleaner translation. So that's that's pretty much how I do. It. And I pretty much buy newer Blu-ray films or maybe animation on Blu-ray because say what you will, yeah, they'll clean it up. But I kind of like a little grain with my old films. Just that's just how they were, and you know. You're not really uh, high def. Maybe is not meant for practical effects of older films because it kind of shows a little bit of the flaws. If that's your thing, you know, bully for you. But for me, I'd rather keep the um, the illusion alive, if you will. Right, right. No, I completely what you know what you mean. I I don't need to see Dorothy and Toto 3D and Ultra HD. Mm. It also doesn't make me feel like I'm watching a sick film. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't need it, like, really grainy mm-hmm. to remind me that I was born recently, <laughs> but I do need it to at least, you know, have the quality that it was meant to be. But I understand retouching and remastering and adding some color, which they did for Little Mermaid yeah. recently. But, you know, you don't need to have it super, super awesome, like, up-to-date with modern technology. Yeah. So, and that's why I stick to my more recent films. All right. Well... Uh, we have gone about an hour and a half, so I think that should do it for us for this week. We um, Now that everything's set, uh, we should be back on a more normal schedule, and uh, we have a lot of things planned for uh, our loyal listeners, all 25 of them right now, but hopefully you like the show enough, you spread it out there, you, um, you tell a friend who tells a friend, and uh, they tell two friends, and so on and so forth. Uh, Jessica. Could you tell the good people, though, when they're not listening to our podcast, where else they can find us? They can find us on Facebook mm-hmm. with um, under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, where you can bother us. And to the wonderful, wonderful hard work of Chris, who's constantly updating with new stuff. And I'm just the one clicking like and commenting. Um, but also over at Twitter, mm-hmm. we are um, Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Um, if actually I may be incorrect, uh, Chris may have to double check for me and also, but we are also on Tumblr, which is the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, which also we have a Tumblr. So for those, I had someone privately inbox me mm-hmm. and ask me if we had a site. We don't have the actual site up, uh, but yeah, you know, I guess if enough people are asking we can always chris and i can always come together and wrinkle together a site for us well in the meantime the temporary host site is uh panzercrush.com which is um 
an old site of mine that's being repurposed for uh, the use for the Kaiji Kingdom podcast right now. Um, when As we progress, we will be up on iTunes and Stitcher and all those. We just kind of got to bank a couple more episodes. That's just how the podcast industry works. But just bear with us. We will we will get to that point very soon. Um, and on that note, Jessica, where can they find your work outside of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast? Um, I'm actually on the comicbookgirl.com mm-hmm. and girlongeek.com. And you can find me there. And from there, under contacts, you will find all the wonderful places I spread myself around online, social media-wise. Mm-hmm. I'm like... I hope a less criminal version of Justin Bieber. <laughs> I do. I do have you know Instagram, Vine, and everything, and you can find me through Twitter through both of those sites. And Chris, where can we find you? I I'm the co-editor of a site called TheRealmCast.com, where I do a bulk of my work over there. I host two podcasts on that site. One uh, we affectionately call the uh, the regular show, which is just the Realmcast podcast, and a weekly uh, show called Take Two, where um, my co-editor and I, George Cordero, sit down and talk about the minutia of pop culture news that week. So that's uh, that's our, our regular shows, and then we have a, an abundance of other shows on there. We do uh, uh, a breakdown show for The Walking Dead right now called The Rundown Walking Dead, and we also do one for Arrow as well called The Rundown Arrow, and we have a comic book co- podcast called the uh, Comics Unchained, which is run by my uh, protege and good friend Sergio Sanchez. So you can check all that out there at therealmcast.com. Um, and you can always download us on uh, panzercrush.com, which uh, I should be getting around to kind of making that site a little more uh, pleasant to the eye pretty soon. So uh, stick around. And uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we might uh, I-, I might start working on a Kaiju Kingdom podcast site. So. Um, you know, just it's a matter of uh, finances right now at this point. So, uh, do stick with us. Also, for many people, yes, do stick with us. Many people are asking about iTunes. Again, yeah, again, as I as well, uh, iTunes requires a certain. They have a, a standard that we got to live up to first. So once we get a couple more episodes banked and we're on a regular schedule, we will be up on iTunes. So that way, uh, your feed will uh, will get our delicious uh, voices uh, automatically uh, laid down for you. Uh, uh, you know, just, you know, without having to click any any buttons. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Friend us, tweet us, come be our friend, or bother us, or be a neutral person, like Switzerland claimed that they were. Yeah. And just comment, email us. Also, we also do have an email, which is the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast at gmail.com. And you guys can always ask us what we think, give us show, you know, show suggestions, ask us, you know, why isn't Jessica taller? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I tried. I eat a lot of food as a kid. Or you can say it's <laughs> like, hey, Chris, shut up and let the girl talk a little more. No, although I think Chris has wonderful episodes also planned mm. where I will be doing a lot of the talking, so you guys are going to be able to uh, hear my voice for days and days. But yes, anyways, find all ways to communicate with us, and we will definitely get back to you sooner rather than later. All right. Well, that will do it for us for this week. So until next time, 